Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor. I'm Michelle Pachet and I'm here today with Dr. Timothy Hayes. We warmly welcome you to the show and thank you for choosing to be with us. Today is December 30th, 2015. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1 and then we'll put you into queue to talk with Tim. We encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to actively strengthen and deepen your practice. So, Tim, hi, and uh, let's uh, start our conversation on make Forgiveness today. Well, thank you, Michelle, and um, hello, long time uh, no hear from you. I trust you have a good holidays and uh, looking forward to a pleasant new year. All true. I, although we haven't um, spoken directly, I'm um, continuing practicing my work. More quietly. All right. Um, so I'll get a little uh, intro going here, and you can just interrupt me if somebody raises a hand, because as you know, uh, my preference is to take calls, and I try to approach these shows prepared to talk for the whole hour if I need to, but always hoping people will call in with comments or questions or testimonials of how this work is helping them and this work specifically for the recap is the ancient Aramaic technology of forgiveness and forgiveness is this this tool for reaching inside myself and removing anything that doesn't belong in me and in order to remove what doesn't belong in me I have to have a definition of what does belong in me and what doesn't and the ancient Aramaic had the understanding that as human beings we're meant to, because we are created from this energy of creation, some call it love, and because we were created by this energy of creation, some call it love, we're made of this stuff, some call love, and that's what we're meant to have as our conscious experience 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year round. And sometimes when we say that, um, people have an objection and they say, well, you're trying to tell me that my anger is a bad thing or that I shouldn't have upset or I shouldn't have fear or I shouldn't have sadness or grief. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this system is this mind-body energy system, this creation device, is beyond my comprehension with my conscious logical mind. And it's a system that is so well designed and put together that everything that's in it is there for a reason. And if that's the case, it would be really important for me to know what's the reason for my having sadness, anger, fear, grief, hostility, confusion, tension, And one thing I'm offering is the purpose for those energies which feel discordant, tense, painful, disruptive, uncomfortable, whatever you want to call them, the purpose of it is to give me the feedback to tell me that my focus 
is inaccurate. That what I'm using to focus my conscious attention on is something that is creating discomfort, and that's not what I'm designed for. So it's like a feedback system to tell me, hey, Tim, your thoughts are off the mark. You're focusing on the wrong thing. You've chosen the wrong few bits of information from your senses. And back up, take a breath, center on your true nature as the energy of love, and then try again. Reassemble the input. Ask to be shown a higher inf- uh, a level of, of integration of the information or to choose different parts of the information that are hitting your senses or what's getting resonated from your past. Reevaluate it. Dismantle what doesn't belong there and return your focus to your true nature that your conscious awareness should be on your true nature all the time, and that is this energy of creation, this energy of love, this energy of compassion. And when I do that, moment to moment, I create an experience of my true nature moment to moment, and then I'm creating an experience of love. I'm creating an experience of expansion, extension, acceptance, compassion, inclusion, union, and that's what the tool of forgiveness is all about. It helps me use the warning signals that appear in my awareness, and some would call them energies of pain or sadness or grief or loss or confusion or guilt or shame or anger, frustration, But if I use them as a guidance system, like a Geiger counter or a compass, to help me realize when my focus is off the mark, then I can also use that system in conjunction with a tool like the ancient Aramaic tool of forgiveness to remove from my energy system what doesn't belong there. And the more I clear out the stuff that doesn't belong there, the easier it is for me to experience and shift my focus to my true nature as this energy of love and then extend that love to everyone and everything in every relationship in my life. And the more I do that, the easier it gets to, 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 to do. It's, um, it's amazing how well I've been conditioned by my culture to focus on those things which produce discomfort, anger and fear and tension, physical discomfort, negative emotional states, negative thought patterns. And I've been conditioned into that day after day, week after week for decades. And I was born into an energy system that inherited from both sides of my bloodline the same kinds of unproductive, tense, anger-filled, competition-filled patterns and belief systems. And I got it from both my mom's side and my dad's side that goes back infinitely. And then ever since I was born, I've been raised in a culture that's based on old false beliefs and competition and false separations, one person from another, one skin color from another, one geographic location from another, one political belief system from another, one religious belief system from another. And these false separations, these ideas and beliefs, have been used in the culture that I was born in and raised in for centuries to justify all manner of horrific abuses from shunning to torture to death to wars to sarcasm to ridicule false separations false identifications artificial arbitrary lines of delineation based on a few tiny bits of information hitting our senses and based on a history inherited from all kinds of people who were not living 
with a direct focus on their conscious nature, conscious awareness of their true nature as love. And I inherited that and I lived in it for decades. So I've been trained and conditioned to believe I'm right, you're wrong, it's settled, why argue? And of course, when you happen to have a different opinion than mine, I've been trained to believe that if you're somebody that I want the approval of, I should give up my opinion and adopt yours. And if you're not somebody whose approval I want, I will argue with you. I will move to the level of actual antagonism, actual physical aggression to prove I'm right and you're wrong. And if that's been happening in my life on both of my parents' sides and all generations back for as long as time goes, and I inherited the energetic and genetic impressions of that, and then I had 35 or 40 years of conditioning in this culture into that belief system, I've got a lot of work to do to undo those conditioning patterns, to build a new habit. And the invitation of this work is to start anew. Please don't make a New Year's resolution. I really like the way Abraham Abraham Hicks says this. Last year, in January, she gave a talk and she said, don't make a New Year's resolution. This one's already come and already gone and you've already ruined it. Make a new moment's resolution. Begin to train yourself to observe in the moment and question anew. Begin in each moment to return your focus to your breath, to shift the focus of your conscious awareness to your true nature. Begin a new moment's resolution. And pick up the tools. Pick the ones that fit you best. And make a commitment to yourself, to your potential as a creator of a new, loving, positive, more expansive, joyful lifestyle. And apply your conscious awareness moment to moment to the application of tools that make your life better. And I'm happy if you're doing that with whatever tool suits you. The Sedona Release Method, Ho'oponopono, Byron Katie's work, the schools of religious science, the schools of Christian science, the schools of unity teachings, Martha Creek's work out of unity. Whichever set of tools resonates with you, pick it up, apply it, Make a new moment's resolution in each new moment to monitor your internal experience for an indication that your alarm is going off, that you're feeling anything less than love, that you're having any thoughts that are less than loving and inclusive, that you're doing anything other than identifying the true nature of creative force flowing through you and what it wants you to accomplish that you keep your intention focused on the purity of that energy of creation, that you allow it to be there without resistance from you, that you surrender fully to that experience in the presence of each new moment, and that you remember with humility, and humility from the ancient Aramaic definition of the ability to identify the highest and best in everyone and everything you see, and then choose actively in the moment to cooperate only with that highest and best. Then you will resonate with the highest and best energies that it is potential for you to resonate with. You will extend those energies which are highest and best, and you will create in each new moment from your resolution to do so a better, more loving, more creative, more joyful, more expansive, more inclusive life experience in each moment. 
Now, in this work, the primary tool for that is called the Reality Management Worksheet, and that's available on the website that Dr. Michael Rice and Jeannie have tirelessly constructed with thousands of pages. And the website is www.whyagain.org. And there's a, a link on that page that looks like a red and white bullseye. And if you click on that link, it takes you to the page where this core tool, which is called the Reality Management Worksheet or Wake-Up Sheet, the name keeps changing, but the process, the core process is always the same. And it's free as a download. You don't even have to get on a mailing list. The vast majority and the core power tools that Michael and Jeannie have created and they're making available completely free of charge without any strings attached. You click the link, you download the PDF file, you print it out as often as you want, and you've got access to one of the most powerful tools I have seen and experienced in my over 41 years of living life and doing therapy. Also on that link, you'll find a, a, a link to, again, completely free. You don't even have to add yourself to a mailing list. The 24-and-a-half-minute video of a PowerPoint presentation that explains the core of the process. The core of the process, which took Dr. Michael Rice 35 years to try and to, to really understand, even though he taught it and he saw it work and he saw people have great results with it, it took him about 35 years to really begin to understand the core. And the core mechanism of this process is to understand that the reality that I'm experiencing in each moment is generated by my mind. It's got nothing to do with what's going on outside of me. And it's generated in my mind, driven by the goals I hold in each moment. And when I hold a goal, it literally recruits data from my past experiences and my energetic patterns. And it uses my past and the information stored in my brain and body's energy system to create a picture in my mind that I then hallucinate and believe is what's going on outside of me. And so if I understand the alarm system and I realize when I'm feeling any kind of discomfort physically, mentally, or emotionally, that means I have done something off the mark. I've shifted my focus away from my true energy as the nature of love. Then, now with the concept of identifying a goal is what drives that creation in my mind that I'm calling reality that's driven by my perception, I can then go in and cancel whatever goal I'm holding and I can get access to a higher faculty of experience, of wisdom, of energetic connectedness by simply asking to be shown how I'm actually creating my own pain. And when I cancel the goal, it literally collapses the picture in my mind that I have identified with, that I've been holding on to, that I have been certain is, is what tells me that I'm right and the world is wrong and, and that I shouldn't have to be feeling this. I can cancel that whole perceptual process by simply canceling my goals in the moment and asking to be shown from something far greater and more powerful and expansive than my conscious logical mind, where is the true source of my discomfort? And when that happens, and I ask to be shown, and I ask to love truth, truth meaning the actuality of what's happening in the moment, powerful changes happen in my life. That's the core of this work. A beautiful PowerPoint presentation outlining it is available for free. The worksheet process itself is available for free. And a whole host of other worksheets and tools that are available for free at www.whyagain.org. 
So I'll take a breath and I'll ask Michelle if we have anybody in the chat room, if we have anybody with their hand up on the phone queue, or if you have any thoughts about what I've said so far. Um, we kind of quiet on the switchboard today in the chat room. Um, the one thing I really have to agree with everything you said is the part about that it gets easier and easier. It's um, surprising to me um, how my own resistance systematically, um, sorry, I'm getting a call. I'm trying to figure it Excuse me. Um, that that. Um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought because I was getting a call, and so I um, was talking about the process of forgiveness and um, letting go. You were go saying it gets, of, it gets easier and easier. Easier, easier, and that that has been kind of a delightful surprise because the level of resistance, maybe at the beginning when you're coming into the your issues is very was very um, palpable for me and, and a, a real force to reckon with, so to speak. And so then, you know, a couple years later, and then it's with a lot more ease. And I didn't expect that because of how hard, it, difficult, how challenging it was for me to let go, let's say, at the beginning, um, concepts about needing to be right. My, you know, voracious appetite for needing to be right, and like how that was so integrated and identified so strongly. And I mean, I I can't I don't recognize that I'm not that person anymore. Not that it's completely real. There's fringes. It, it's just that my ability to to transcend them is is becoming easier, and it's. It's like a nice surprise, like bonus. Do not have to always be so arduous? Yeah, it really, um, I have noticed the same thing for myself, that um, year after year, the ease has been sneaking up on me. And at the same time, um, there's a course... Um, a lesson in the way of mastery. Um, in the uh, fifth lesson, it talks about the keys to the kingdom, and it says the keys to the kingdom are desire, intention, allowance, surrender, and humility. And the reason for the need for humility is because the further one goes in the process of removing what's less than love, the more powerfully the person's life changes for the better and the greater the temptation for the individual to say oh look what i did look what a what a what a fine boy am i and that is the other side of the coin for how it gets easier and easier to face my own resistance and to surrender into the process and pick up the tools and move through my own uh, painful energies or false beliefs, I can move through them far more quickly than I did two, three, four, five years ago. I can also be pulled up very, very abruptly and short because the things I'm likely to run into at the next level are things that I have hidden from myself so um, successfully and with such an intense conviction that this is too powerful, too negative, too upsetting, too grief-stricken, too rageful for me to deal with. So I will get far more intense negative responses when I hit a new layer, perhaps even more intense than when I first began or in my first few years in this work. What I have noticed, however, is that the duration of the discomfort is getting shorter and shorter. So if I keep my willingness focused 
and I'm willing to go through the more intense, the more uncomfortable, the more painful, the more confusing layers, they pass more quickly. Um, you know, that's interesting um, disclosure, Tim, because I haven't really heard anybody mention that concept before and trying to put it through my own experience to see if, um, if that feels right. But, but it, it's interesting. That, so what, what would you think the correlation is, is why the intensity be, be more? Because you're cleared the, the thinner layers and so you're getting to the... Um, well, my my understanding of it is that it's all directly related to my willingness to go through it. And the things that will pop up when I first say, hey, I want to be enlightened. I want to be a better person. I want to go follow some spiritual teachings. I want to sign up for this wisdom school. So the things that I'm going to be willing to see at that first level are still tied to my ego's identification with wanting to be seen as a good person or as a spiritual seeker. And so I'm really, at that level, not as willing as my conscious mind wants me to believe. It's still mostly tied to an ego identification. And so I'll be able to look at, oh, yeah, I was kind of mean to my brother when I was growing up. I should go through those layers. Oh, yeah, you know, sometimes I'm not completely honest about, you know, my financial dealings or whatever it is that that was my issue. And I'm because I'm new to it, I think I'm willing at a far deeper level than my willingness actually goes because I don't understand the process. And the further I go into the process the more I peel back the layers and the more I realize, oh, my gosh, you know, I have hidden a lot more stuff from myself than I ever imagined I had hidden from myself. I have literally convinced myself that I can't survive looking at this piece of knowledge about myself or this false belief about myself or this old memory about myself. Well, I didn't even realize that. So as I go deeper, I'm going to run into things that have been there longer and that got put in there with a stronger conclusion on my part that I that I could not survive if they came to the surface. So that's my understanding of, of why when I do have a new layer come up, sometimes it's, it's just mind-boggling to my conscious mind how intense it is when I've had thoughts about, oh, yeah, I've handled my my anger issue in that area, or, oh, yeah, I've handled my guilt issue in that area. And, and then if I think, if I let myself go down that path of thinking I've done this work or I've finished with that issue, I've literally just put a set of blinders on myself. And then I just go charging off into the world with blinders off, and I get shocked by the fact that I just ran into a tree stump. So my challenge is to stay constantly with the resolution in each new moment to be open to watch whatever errors, whatever alarm systems go off, and just stay with the program that says, okay, if I'm in pain, I'm in error. And that's, you know, one of my favorite lines from one of the early worksheets was just that, quote, if I'm in pain, I'm in error. My thinking is off the mark. Another one of my favorite lines from a previous worksheet is, the truth is, My reality is strictly internal, it's unique to me, and is created out of my own thoughts. And if you think about it, that means I'm a very powerful creator, because in each moment I create my experience of life by the thoughts I choose. Because the statement was, the truth is, my reality is strictly internal, it's unique to me, and is created out of my own thoughts. 
I can stay focused on that in the moment and just be alerted to the fact that any discomfort, physical, mental, or emotional, is my alarm system provided by the Creator for my benefit to let me know when I'm in error. Then I don't have the trap of thinking, oh, I'm done with that. Oh, I've already cleared these issues, so it must be his problem right now. Does that make sense? No, it all it all um, makes real sense. I actually want to go back to the laundry list that you provided, and I didn't catch who you said it was. Humility was the end of it. There were um, so the other five keys to the kingdom. So the five keys oh, okay. to the kingdom from from the way of mastery lesson five. And the first is desire. And in in lesson four in way of mastery, the entire lesson is about the energy of desire. And I'll wrap it up this way. You know, we have a lot of confusion that we create and perpetuate by the use of language and words. And there's a lot of individual meaning that each of us has loaded for a word like desire. <clears throat> so in the fourth lesson, Way of Mastery goes in, in, into great detail trying to describe the energy of desire. And one little story is that, so here's the creator. And the creator creates these beautiful little flowers and provides the energy of creation like the nectar of life that these flowers can suck up from their roots and use to create buds and flowers and, and beautiful arrangements of, of, of creation. And, and the creator gave those flowers free will. And the creator steps back and watches and says, isn't this odd? Some of these flowers I've created just as this nectar of life and, and, and energy comes into their roots and starts to ascend, they tie their stem in knots so that energy can't express. So the energy of desire is simply the energy of creation that wants to express through each of us individually and differently. This is completely different than the energy of wanting or craving, or obsession. It's a very powerful but very subtle energy that most of us have been conditioned out of paying attention to. So the entire lesson four is some exercises and some talk about how to, how to just slow down and sit back and observe the energy of desire trying to express through us and know we don't have to act on it and get better and better at tuning our awareness to this very subtle and powerful energy, and that's desire. Lesson five talks about the five keys to the kingdom. Desire is the first, intention is the second, allowance, surrender, and humility. So desire we've talked about, I get tuned into what uniquely wants to express through me as this energy of creation. And I practice letting go of the judgments. Oh, I shouldn't want money because I'm a spiritual person. Oh, I shouldn't want to eat ice cream because I'm supposed to be a healthy spiritual person. Oh, I shouldn't want sex because spiritual people don't really care about the physical. And just put all of those judgments away and tune into and make a practice of tune in, tuning into this energy that's trying to flow through us with the understanding that we have the spiritual faculty of choice and that we can choose from a place of balance in alignment with other values and priorities what we act on. And so this helps us move into a very productive alignment. The second, so there's desire, then there's intention. And intention has to do with reminding myself in the presence moment that my intention is to be of service to this 
energy of creation, that my intention is to be aligned with the desire of the creator trying to express through me. The next faculty is allowance. And this has to do with recognizing that whatever is happening is happening for me, not to me. And that when I have a resistance to something that appears in my life, I'm if I go with the resistance as anything other than my alarm system to refocus on my true nature as love, if I use the resistance from an ego perspective to decide I'm right and you're wrong, I'm removing myself from the stream of life in the moment and the flow of creation. So allowance has me being the leaf on the surface of the water being swept downstream in the flow of the creative energy. I get up in the morning and I have some plans to have a beautiful day out in the sun and a picnic and all kinds of friends invited, and it's raining. And rather than having even a moment's resistance, I allow, and I look at the rain, I allow this day to be rainy. I allow this day to progress in an entirely different fashion than what I had planned. So there's desire, tapping into the energy that wants to express the creative energy that wants to express uniquely through me, intention in the moment, in the presence moment, reminding myself that I want to be aligned with the intention of all creation in harmony, in extension of love and beauty. And then I want to be in allowance. I want to be in that state of allowing however the day unfolds, and use it, allow myself to be used in each of those moments to express that creative energy flow with the intention of being in the flow of creation and allowing whatever happens and releasing my resistance in each moment. And then I want to surrender. I want to surrender to all of it that can come, all of life that can benefit from my extension of love in each moment, all that I can learn by surrendering to be taught by the power of the moment, by the other creative beings around me, by the flow of creative energy in my world that I have drawn to me to reveal to me mm -hmm. that which is less than love within me so that I can dismantle it and release it, surrendering in each moment. And a lot of times, Dr. Michael Rice talks about this, too. He says, you know, people don't want to hear about surrender. We're raised in a culture that's focused on domination and competition and being the best and overpowering things. And people really get all bent out of shape when they hear the word surrender and understand it at these deeper and deeper levels that it's really a powerful, powerful process. And what most people don't understand is that they are always surrendering to one thing or another. In the world of competition and dominance, I'm always either surrendering to anger or fear or I'm surrendering to love. And in this work, the invitation is to learn to surrender to the flow of life which comes from that energy of creation, which some would call love, to be focused on how it wants to express through me as an energy of desire to hold the intention to stay aligned with the true energy of creative force, which always speaks about inclusion and acceptance and joy, extension and creativity in a loving energy, to allow that to happen and unfold as it does, to surrender to the process fully, surrender to love in each moment, choose to surrender to love rather than surrender, to be driven by the alarm system, which is there only to tell me, hey, you know, you're not in alignment with love in this moment. And then, as one does that, one discovers fabulous transformations in their experience of life moment to moment because one begins to build the habit of staying focused with their conscious awareness on their true nature as the energy of love, and then their experience of life in each moment becomes the extension of that love. It becomes loving, joyful, passionate, compassionate. 
inclusive, creative. And in that moment, I have transformed my experience of life. And as I do that, things get so much better that it literally puts me in a different world of experience. And that's where humility needs to be, again, a presence moment commitment, a present, a new moment resolution to stay connected to the fact that, you know what? I didn't create myself. I don't even know when I was created. I don't know how to digest the food I had for breakfast. So this isn't me doing all of this. This is me letting the energy of desire flow through me, holding the intention of being aligned with the desire from a higher level of being and and that level of energy that keeps the stars in alignment and the planet spinning, allowing whatever happens and allowing myself to understand that it must be happening for me and not punitively to me, surrendering in that moment to the energy of creation rather than resistance, and then understanding I didn't do this. Even the master teacher that some call Jesus, and and we know from the ancient Aramaic his name was something more like Yeshua or Yeshua, that his core teachings were I myself do nothing, and yet the Father within me does all these things. Even at the pinnacle of manifesting creatively, positively, true masters understand that their being a master has nothing to do with control of anything other than they've mastered their ability to be a perpetually avid student. And in this context, what am I being a student of? I am a student of the energy of creation, the energy of love, and I allow it to teach me, and I surrender to it in each moment. And I hold the power of humility, which is that ability to identify with the highest and best, with everyone and everything around me, and then choosing to cooperate only with that. Taking a breath. Did did I stay on target or go way off on tangent? I think um, you're doing a wonderful job, um, so much so that people prefer to listen than calling with questions. It's a great uh, message, and just... For me, it resonates just a lot of um, positive, good feelings when I um, can remember to reconnect with that when, when you're saying it and kind of imagining it and, you know, instantly feel a higher level of vitality, more energy, just sitting here. So I'm sure other well, people I, are similarly inspired. It's, here, it's an inspiring message. Well, I... I... I bring in things like Way of Mastery and Guy Finley to this work on this show because to my ear and my eye, it's the same message. And when I have an experience in my mind-body energy system that's anything other than that energy of love, I want to pick up a reality management worksheet. I want to take a breath. I want to do like uh, the Beatitudes say in the first few Beatitudes. You know, these aren't religious um, prescriptions for following some law uh, of man or some religious um, ritual. This is what some would call a yogic practice. So instead of... um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, which is the first beatitude, uh, something like that from the King James. The ancient Aramaic scholars have gone back to the original and found out that what was interpreted as the word poor is not poor as in having nothing, but as 
in being open. And another meaning for that word that was translated by the Greeks as the word poor is it's just one tiny little mark, one little dash on the, on the paper turns the word that the Greeks interpreted as poor to the word home. And so if you're listening to someone who's supposed to be a, an earth-shattering spiritual teacher, and then someone down the road says, oh, did you hear what that, that spiritual teacher said? Blessed are those who are poor in their spirit. And somebody else says, wait a minute, I was there at the same talk. I, I, I know his native language, and I believe what he said was, now is the ripe time. Ripe is in the ripeness of a fruit at the perfect moment. Right now is the perfect moment to make your home in the breathing unity, to breathe, to bring yourself into the breath, have your home in your spirit world, in your home, in your connection, the, the intimate connection between the physical and the spiritual energy system. Now is the ripe time to make your home in the breathing unity and let the fertile soil of the queendom birth your clear guidance. And somebody else was at the same talk and they said, no, no, uh, not only do I speak his native language, I'm from his hometown. And I really think all he said was, listen, whenever you feel anything that you don't like, breathe, make your home in the breath, feel it, Feel it fully, keep breathing, and then let it flow through you. That's all he said in the first three Beatitudes. Breathe, feel it, and let it go. It makes more sense to me that a spiritual teacher would say, make your home in your spirit. Make your home in the breath, which connects the, the energy of creation to this physical body. This energy flow without which there is no animation of that thing you're calling a physical energy system. Focus on that. Let that reconnect you to what your true nature is. Let that remind you that you don't have any idea how your breath keeps moving when you're not thinking about it or when you're asleep at night and your heart keeps pumping and your food digests. You don't have any idea how you make the body move across the room when you decide to get up and go to the refrigerator. There is something in each of us that is living through us. There is something in each of us which is looking out through us. There is something within each of us that is breathing us, living us, breathing us. And um, Dale Allen Hoffman likes to quote St. Francis of Assisi that said, who said, what you are looking for when you go on a spiritual quest, when you say you want to find God, what you are looking for is what's doing the looking through you. It is the energy of creation that's trying to express through you in each moment that keeps your heart pumping, that keeps your food digesting, that motivates your nerve system and your muscles to help you navigate your body through the physical realm. And that, that, that reminds me of this one quote that Michael Rice likes to bring up. He says, you know, there's a, a biblical quote that says, The eye is the lamp of the soul. If the light for you is darkness, how deep shall your darkness become? And he says, you know, if you look at that in the English language as it came through the Greek translations from an ancient Aramaic speaker, it's really boggling. What is that talking about? The eye is the lamp of the soul. If the light for you is darkness, how deep shall your darkness become? But if you have the ancient Aramaic translations and an understanding of the idioms, Michael Rice says, here's a better way to understand what was being said there. Your perceptual mind is your light for this earthly life. It's the thing that's supposed to help you walk through life without bumping into trees or open manholes. Your perception is simply meant to help you navigate through the physical realm. And within that light of perception, you know, there's a 
on a, a CIA website that says their research indicates very, very clearly that our perception does not record reality. We've been taught to believe that if I open my eyes and look out the window, I'm simply going to see what's there. But numerous studies have demonstrated, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that my perception does not record reality. My perception constructs reality. And it's constructed based on goals and conclusions that I hold in my mind and based on my past experiences which feed those goals and conclusions. So here's a, a, some kind of a translated quote that comes down and says, the eye is the lamp of the soul. If the light for you is darkness, how deep will your darkness become? Well, here's ancient Aramaic wisdom. If you go back to the original translation and it says something more like, your perceptual mind is the light for your earthly life. It's here to help you navigate through the physical realm safely. And if your light in that perceptual realm is darkness, in the ancient Aramaic that meant any form of hostility or fear, if you're feeling hostility or fear, you're not perceiving accurately. Your lights are out. It's as bad as wearing blinders. You're going to create more problems for yourself. You're going to think your internal discomfort, your alarm system telling you you're off the mark, is caused by someone or something outside of you. Then you're going to go chasing after someone or something outside of you to get them, 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 it, he, she, to change so that you don't have to feel your alarm system going off. And that's an endless wild goose chase. There will never, ever be any satisfaction achieved in the world by me getting someone else to change so that I don't have to feel my alarm system going off. So your perceptual mind is the light for your earthly life. And if you're feeling hostility or fear, your lights are out, you're going to have a distorted perception. This is your alarm system telling you, Tim, You've recruited from your past painful memories, false beliefs, traumatic energies, and you're constructing a reality, an internal picture in your mind about the world and the people around you that is not accurate. Tim, stop. You're about to step into an open manhole. Tim, if you're driving a car, pull over, take a few deep breaths, make your home in the breathing unity. Breathe Feel it and let it go. Restore your conscious focus of awareness to your true nature as the energy of love. The lights will come back on. You will see your life more accurately. And then in that moment, you can extend, you can choose to extend your true nature as the energy of love and creation to everyone and everything around you. And it's guaranteed, Tim, this is coming from your creator. It's guaranteed to work out better for you than when you act from hostility or fear. This brings to mind, Guy Finley says, you know, you've, the creator didn't just put you in a world with a teacher. The creator put you in a world where your constant relationship to the laws, to the energies that can teach you about yourself, your true nature, and love in each moment will never abandon you if you simply ask to be taught. You're not just in the world with a teacher. You're in life, in each present moment, with an infinite relationship with that which can teach you about yourself and the true nature of the world around you if you simply ask it to. And if I can become conscious and present in each moment to my internal alarm system, more and more each day, I'm still working at peeling off the layers of decades of conditioning in my own current lifetime. But if I can practice this present moment resolution, this new moment resolution, to be aware of the alarm system sounding within me, tension, fear, confusion, shame, guilt, upset, grief, pain, rage, frustration, and 
take a breath to center, to release what's less than loving in me, to focus my conscious awareness on my true nature as love. The lights come back on. I get a more accurate picture of what actually is happening in the world around me. And these other beings of light and love that are with me, to quote something I I wrote earlier in a blog post uh, last week or the week before, there are no idiots in this world. There are only beings of light and brilliance who have either temporarily forgotten or have yet to discover their brilliance. Yes, every one of us has done something that we've later gone back and looked at and said, well, that was idiotic. And yet that does not define us. That is not our true nature. So there are no idiots. There are only beings of light and brilliance who have either temporarily forgotten or have yet to discover their brilliance. And if I feel something in my alarm system going off, any negative thought or emotion or physical ache or pain, and I stop, I breathe, I make my home, my conscious awareness focus on my true nature as the energy of love, the lights come back on. And when the lights come back on, I am allowed in that moment accurate perception about the true nature of the beings of light and brilliance all around me and how everything that's happening in my life is happening for me to help me reveal to myself what I've been hiding from myself that's less than love, what I have been identified with that is less than the energy of creation, so that I might release that and choose again in each new moment to keep my focus on extending my true nature as the energy of love. I trust, Michelle, that if a hand had gone up, you would have interrupted, and so I will ask briefly here in the last few minutes for questions or comments from you. Um, I would have told you if there was a hand up. I think people are really enjoying it. And um, <clears throat> Actually, I want to... I have a way of mastery somewhere. I'm going to go find it and um, read that lesson. It's intriguing. So thank you for your comments well, and, and introducing other, you know, Bethany and way of mastery. I think you're right. There are um, different paths to the same summit. Yeah, we've talked at, at length at different times about how the truth is just the truth. And what's actually true is true no matter which words you're using to describe it. We have times when people get, and I mentioned it last week, we had a support group again last night and one a week ago. And a week ago the discussion was all about a word and a definition for a word and and how everybody was having slightly different meanings for the word. And so it, it ended up with people debating well, what does that really mean and what does this really mean? So if you get past that, if you look at the actual actual experience of life, it, it works the same way for all of us. And so each of the wisdom schools has something to offer and each of us from our history are going to be able to understand or resonate better with one school than another. And so uh, pursue what, what, what soothes you, what nurtures you, what helps you true, tune into your true nature. And in the meantime, come on back tomorrow and the rest of the week and have the best year yet of your eternal life. We appreciate everybody who's been here today. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Wright and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Continuously